AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Daniel, what's the biggest, most expensive science project ever? Well, you know, us scientists, we love building taxpayer-funded toys. And when we get the uh, freedom to do so, we spend big. So I think the biggest one is the International Space Station at like $100 billion. $100 billion. Billion with a B. Oh, my goodness. And uh, by comparison, the largest particle collider we've ever built comes in at only $10 billion. But let's put that in context for like compared to what normal people spend their money on. You could probably pay for like the college education of 40 or 50,000 people. Oh, wow. That much money. Or the equivalent, that's the equivalent of about 2 billion lattes. Or you could have spent $10 billion on about 130,000 Teslas. Oh, my goodness. You could go out there and be like, you get a Tesla, and you get a Tesla. <laughs> You're the new Oprah, Jorge. <laughs> Science could be the new Oprah. Uh, so that sounds like a lot of money, but it actually, compared to some of the other things we spend money on, it's not that much, right? Like, how much does one aircraft carrier cost? Yeah, those things are more than $10 billion. And our annual military budget is like $700 billion every year. Uh, obviously, military... Uh, Great and uh, important. Is it $700 billion important? I have nothing. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm Daniel. And we are the hosts of this podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. Which takes something south of $10 billion to produce every year. Yeah, much cheaper. You can buy like a bazillion podcast episodes of our show for that kind of money. Actually, an infinite number since you pay nothing for this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, how much we get, how much how much we were paid to do it. <laughs> yeah, that would be one bajillion, yeah, I think, podcast get, episodes in $10 billion. 
Yeah, we get about three bananas per, per episode. <laughs> you get three bananas? I only get two bananas. Where's <laughs> oh, my oh, agent? Sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe you get paid in apples. Shit. That's right. Yeah. And so this episode, we're talking about money and not just any kind of money, but money that's being proposed to be spent on the future of particle physics. And so on this episode, we're asking the question, is a new $20 billion particle collider worth the money? And, you know, big science costs money. Anytime we want to build something big, it costs money. Like, I was in the Bay Area recently, and I drove across the new Bay Bridge. That thing is beautiful. And every time I drive across it, I think, wow, look what humans can create, right? Like, when we come together, we can make things that are so much bigger, so much more grandiose Mm -hmm. than anything one human could ever build. If If we pull together, right, and spend the money. Yeah, humans working together can achieve things that are incredible. And that extends also to science. You know, we can do things in science together as hundreds or thousands of scientists that we could certainly never do as sole scientists. And that includes things like space stations and fusion reactors and particle colliders. Right. Well, it's interesting to think that science costs money, you know, like it's not something people do for free as as a hobby. You have to pay for people to do it. You have to pay for people, that's true. Um, but also you have to pay for the stuff, right? Mm. You, um, the you test gotta tubes. Build, you got to <laughs> test tubes. <laughs> we break a lot of test tubes when we make a particle collider. No, you got to dig tunnels or you got to launch stuff into outer space. You know, it, it's, uh, it uses practical resources. And so, you know, if yeah. money is a stand-in for like a fraction of the resources of a society, then yeah, it takes a fraction of our resources. Resources that could have gone to building schools or hospitals or swimming pools or mega mansions for the rich or whatever. So it's definitely right. a social choice. Where should our resources go? Well, this episode, we are referring to the news recently that CERN, the nuclear, the... Do you know what CERN stands for? <laughs> I know it's French. It's something like uh, <laughs> a, a European Center for Nuclear Research, right? That's right. Yeah, but it's in French, so the acronym is uh, all inverted. Centre mm. European de Recherche Nucléaire. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's how Pepe Le Pew would say the. Oh the my goodness! Of I would not cast you for a children's show. <laughs> Excusez-moi, Monsieur. <laughs> oh man, I, um, I hope they don't keep this. Note but, to uh, audio engineers, please cut all of my pat, bad French accent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was news this week that CERN unveiled their plans for a new $20 billion particle collider. That's right. And for those of you who aren't up in the latest news in particle physics, remember that CERN is the place that currently has the latest, greatest, largest, most energetic, sexiest um, collider we've ever built. Mm -hmm. It's the Large Hadron Collider. It's 27 kilometers around in a big circle underground. So that that one's been around for maybe over 20 years, right? Or it, was, it started over 20 years ago? Well, the Large Hadron Collider started in about 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. depending on how you count, because we had a few hiccups there. Uh, so it's been running for about 10 years. But of course, these things take decades to build, so it's been a project for much longer than 10 years. But it's in the same tunnel as the previous collider, the Large Electron-Proton Collider, which operated in the 90s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's been a collider in that tunnel for a while. And, and that's the one they used to discover the famous Higgs boson a couple of years ago, right? That's right. The Large Hadron Collider discovered the Higgs boson. And before the Large Hadron Collider, the biggest accelerator in the world, and maybe the universe, we don't know the status of alien particle physics, Mm -hmm. was outside Chicago. So the Americans had the lead until about 2007. 
with a collider um, outside Chicago called the Tevatron mm. at Fermi National Lab. But then the Europeans took over with the LHC, and they've been in the lead ever since. And so the news is that they're they're going or they're trying to or they're proposing to build an even bigger one, so bigger than the Large Hadron Collider, uh, a new particle collider uh, called the Future Circular Collider. I feel like you guys, mm-hmm. uh, you physicists, sort of paint yourself into a corner every time you name one of these things. You know, <laughs> you, name, you, you, named, it, you named it the Large Hadron Collider, and so now you're trapped. What are you going to call the next bigger one? The larger well, you know, the, Hadron Collider? Yes, there was a, there was, there's actually a proposal for a VLHC, the Very Large Hadron <laughs> Collider, which the means the next one would be like the... <laughs> Giganto. You could just keep adding prefixes. Yeah. The amazing super extracalifragilistic collider. So you guys went with future circular collider, but what are you going to do once you build it and you want to build another one? You know, the future future, the very future circular collider? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I th- well, um, excuse me while I go tear up the CERN report. We have to start from scratch again. Jorge found a fatal flaw <laughs> in CERN's proposal. Also, I think the FCC is taken. So, yes, that's true. There's probably other things. FCC with the Federal Communications Commission, the Fudge Chocolate Club. Corporation. Yeah. What? Yeah. The Fellowship of, of, um, Casual Christians? C- circular clowns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fancy cat cabal? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but so CERN did some studies and they said, how big would the next one have to be mm. and how much would that cost? And mm. so they proposed one that's 100 kilometers in circumference. So remember, the LHC is 27 kilometers in circumference. Mm. This new one would be almost three or four times bigger. And they estimate the cost to be $20 billion worldwide. It's three times bigger and it's going to cost $20 billion, which I think would sort of make it the, or one of the largest science experiments uh, on Earth, like on the planet, mm-hmm, not floating in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, we thought, is this worth it? Let's explore the reasons why you might, as a government official, decide to spend $20 billion buying abstract knowledge about the universe and why maybe it's not a great idea. So Daniel, as usual, went out into the street and asked people, should we spend $20 billion on a new collider to understand tiny little particles? And this is what the unprepared, totally randomly accosted UCI students had to say. It's better than spending it on, on a wall, you know, so yeah, go, go for it, you know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If it helps me understand those things, then yeah. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't say it's a bad use. It's definitely a good use better than some other proposals we have today. But I don't know if that's the most urgent need that we have right now, I feel like. And, but a particle collider, collider is no waste of money. Uh, sure. To study more about nature, it sounds like a good idea. I feel like you were asking them that question, but you were also sort of trying to validate your own existence. <laughs> you were like, do you think this is worth it? What I do for a living? <laughs> well, I didn't tell them I was a particle physicist. Mm. And also, I don't actually have a stake in this because if this collider gets built, it's not going to turn on until like 2045, 2050. Oh, wow. But then I'll be long retired. Well, I thought professors never retired. <laughs> we just grade away, right? <laughs> um, it won't be done until 2040-something. That's uh, like 30 years from now. It's a long time. And, you know, we're going to be operating the LHC for another 15, 20 years. And oh, building wow. a tunnel like that takes a long time. It has to be really precise. 
Um, and you got to start planning these things decades in advance because it takes a huge amount of political coordination to get all the countries together and to sign the treaties. Oh my goodness. Um, so it's a big project. So yeah, you got to start well in advance. So we're really talking about the future. It's like the people who are going to probably work in it, all those grad students haven't even been born. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so it's this generation is building the collider for the next generation. But, wow. you know, back to the interviews on the street, I was really heartened. Like, I posed this question as like, is this a good way to spend taxpayer money? Mm. And I tried on purpose to phrase it a little bit skeptically. Mm. Um, but most people were like, yeah, sounds good. I'm interested in tiny <laughs> particles. Science is awesome. Wow. That's cool. I was heartened by that. Wow. So you try to add a little bit of like, uh, do you think this is worth it? And people responded <laughs> positively. Yeah, they did. Wow. And then uh, this morning, I was teaching my class, which is about 400 freshmen. Mm -hmm. And I put a poll up on the, in the start of class and I asked them, I said, is it worth $20 billion to build a new particle accelerator? Mm -hmm. And 70% of them said yes. Wow. I think the surprising yeah. thing is that 30% of your students think you should be out of a job. <laughs> 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 it was anonymous, right? So they don't lose credit or anything for, for saying no. Mm. But yeah, some of them, I think, just thought it's too much money. And, you know, in the interviews, some people make good points. Like there are other things we could spend this money on, like right. college educations and homelessness. Yeah. and Yeah, some people, some people sort of brought that up in the interviews too. They said that, you know, maybe this is, this is money we could be spending on something else. Mm -hmm. And every every dime we spend is opportunity cost, right? right? Every dollar you spend on one thing means you can't spend it on something else. Okay, so let's uh, jump into it. And uh, let's ask the question, first of all, why does it cost $20 billion to make this science experiment? I mean, my son had a science fair the other day and, you know, he didn't spend $20 billion. $20 billion. <laughs> uh, so yeah, why, why does it cost so much? And I guess maybe we need to get into a little bit of how a particle collider works or what maybe some people out there don't even know what a particle collider is. Right, okay. So a particle collider takes two little particles like protons or electrons, two tiny little things, and smashes them together. Hmm. Now to get them to go really, really fast, you got to push them for a while, right? They start off slow. Where mm -hmm. do you get these protons and electrons? You take them from hydrogen, which is just everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then how do you get them to go really fast is you give them a push. And we can do that using little mini accelerators. Oh. Like they surf on electromagnetic waves that give them a little nudge. Meaning like when you create one of these particles or you make one or you, you, you find one or you, you, you get one, uh, it's not moving that fast. It's not necessarily moving like the speed of light. That's right. When we start out, it's you know at rest. Like you take a hydrogen atom, you heat it up so that the electron leaves, and you have a proton, and it's basically just hanging out. Mm. And so first, you got to give it a kick. Okay, you have to uh, accelerate it. You have to um, you know like shoot it out of a cannon. Yeah, exactly. And so what we have is a series of tubes. Each one gives it a kick, and you pass it through this series of tubes, giving it more and more kicks until it's going faster and faster and faster. But, right. Yeah, but the problem is you need a lot of runway. Like you need a long cannon to accelerate these particles. Exactly. You want to get up to really high energies, you need a lot of these kicks. And so one way to save money is to have it go in a circle so you can have it pass mm. through those tubes over and over and over again. And so like these, each time it comes around, you give it a little bit more energy and so it goes faster and faster and faster. Yeah, exactly. It's like your kid on the swing set, right? First, you give it a little push and your kid is swinging. And then when they come back, you give them another push and another push. And you don't have to move. The kid comes back to you every time. You give it another push. Eventually, your kid is doing loop-de-loops over the bar. Right? <laughs> and colliding, hopefully not, with other <laughs> with kids. With the neighboring kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm doing um, physics, honey. Yeah. 
So that's the basic premise, right? Take mm. a particle, give it a bunch of little pushes until it gets going really fast. Okay. Uh, why do you need bigger rings? Right. Well, how do you get it to move in a circle, right? You have a proton zipping along. How do you get it to move in a circle? You need a magnet. A magnet will bend the path of a charged particle. So we have super duper strong magnets that actually use super conducting um, materials to make them really, really strong. And uh, they bend the particles. Like you can't just sort of bounce them on the walls of the tunnel, of the tube, right? Like you... You can't do that. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? We actually like, we have grad students in there just guiding the protons. <laughs> turn left, turn left, turn left. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, you need magnets. Like magnets yeah. is the only way to kind of guide these particles in a circle. That's right. If they smash into the walls of the tunnel, they'll be absorbed or interact or whatever. Mm. You want pure protons and you want them at specific energy. So you don't want to touch them. So we have a ring with, which has vacuum in it and the protons are zipping around this vacuum and they're being steered by magnets. So mm. the way the accelerator works is it, it gives it a push and then it bends it and gives it a push and then it bends it. It's not actually a circle. It's a bunch of these little straight lines connected by magnets that bend it. Mm, but they're connected in a circle. They're connected in a big circle. And that way you can go around and around and around and get it to go faster and faster and faster. Okay. And so that costs money. These cavities cost money. The magnets cost money because in order to get it to bend when it's going really fast, you need a really powerful magnet. But then the tunnel cost a lot of money also. I would think the tunnel is the cheapest part. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you have to drill a huge hole precisely in a circle, which is not oh. easy. And that's why it's by far the most expensive part of the collider. Oh, I see. It has to be like perfect, the perfect circle. Yeah, a perfect circle. Fortunately, the Swiss are great at this. They are surrounded by <laughs> mountains, and so they've been developing tunnel technology for a long time. Like, they built a tunnel under the Mont Blanc, right? One of the mountains oh. in the Alps. It's this huge tunnel. I thought you were going to say they're good at building watches, which are circular <laughs> with precision. And so they. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there's a lot of precision engineering in Switzerland. Uh, but one of the things they're really good at is tunnel building. And uh, they have these amazing machines. I don't know if you've seen them, but they look like huge worms. And the front of them are basically just this big grinding face. Wow. And then all the rock comes out the back and they just like chew their way through a mountain. It's oh. really pretty awesome. Um, and the tunnel is hard. Like, it's not actually flat. You know, like you have mountains, you've got to build something that big, you have to take into account geology. So on oh, one boy. side you have mountains, on the other side you have Lake Geneva. And so you got to like angle it a little bit. So it's a, it's a big piece of work to, to make oh, that wow. thing happen. Then on top of it, you have all the electronics and all the people. And so, yeah, it costs some money. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the faster you want the particles to go, the bigger the circle needs to be, which means... Uh, more tunnel exactly. and more stuff to pay for. But exactly. So wh why does the circle need to be bigger? Well, either you need to have a bigger circle or you need more powerful magnets, right? Or both. Mm. Because if they're going faster, then to get them to curve in the same circle, you need stronger magnets. Oh, it's harder to make them go around in a circle the faster they go. Yeah, exactly. You need more of a force. You need a stronger magnet. And we're already using super amazing, super conducting magnets. And we're pushing that technology as hard as we can. Mm. You might ask, well, why do we care? Why are we pushing them at higher, higher energy, right? Yeah. And the answer is simple. It's just E equals MC squared. That is, you take two little well, light that, particles. That's like the protons. answer to everything. I mean, you could use that for, <laughs> to answer anything. That's right. Yeah, when my, my wife asks me why I didn't do the dishes, that's what I say. You're yeah. like, E equals MC squared. That's right. Einstein. I had no energy because my mass is sitting on the couch <laughs> lazy. Because <laughs> I added too much mass at dinner. <laughs> That's right. And the speed of light doesn't save me. Um, no, because we want to pour a bunch of energy into one little spot. You take mm. little protons, you speed them up, which you give them a lot of energy, and you right. pour that energy into one little spot. And then you can turn that energy into mass, right? So light 
protons with a lot of energy can turn into some new particle that has a lot of mass, a particle that doesn't exist in normal life because it's too heavy. So we can create a spot with a lot of energy density. Maybe we can make these new kinds of particles and help unravel the riddles of dark matter and dark energy and antimatter and all this crazy stuff. Right. Yeah, that's what the colliders do is, is when you collide these particles together. Well, first of all, you shoot one of them in one direction and you shoot the other one in the other direction and then you have them collide. Yeah, and that is hard, right? We're talking about tiny little particles. And so what we actually do is we don't shoot one proton at another proton because you basically always miss. You shoot a little a little gas of protons against a little gas of other protons mm. and we hope like that a, a few of them collide. Like a little cloud of them. You collide two clusters of them. Yeah, exactly. We collide two clusters of them, yeah. Hmm. Okay, and so then when they crash, they create this kind of ball of pure energy. And mm-hmm. and that's the stuff you study. But the, the more energy they come into the collision with, the more interesting stuff you can make out of that ball of energy. That's right. And when you create a new collider that has more energy than anybody's ever used before, you're really mm-hmm. exploring new territory. Right, you're creating collisions at an energy nobody's ever seen before. Right. And so you have no idea what could come out. You could make new kinds of particles that nobody's ever seen before, that are just that were there on nature's menu, just waiting for somebody to create enough energy. You know, particles that haven't existed in nature since the Big Bang. That was right. the last time there was as much energy in one spot. You mean we can recreate the Big Bang potentially? Well, we're not recreating the Big Bang and that we're not tearing the universe apart or anything like that. So uh, those of you who are worried, don't don't worry about that. But um, we are recreating some of the conditions just after the Big Bang, like the, mm. the, the hotness, the density, uh, the heat, the density, the intensity of the, of the energy. Um, mm. We're recreating that to hope to understand, you know, what happened in the first few moments after the Big Bang. Um, but more than that, we want to understand just like what's out there, what kind of particles can exist. You know, we are made of up quarks and down quarks and electrons, but we've found lots of other kinds of particles along the way. And we're looking for patterns in those. We have lots of questions about those. We did a whole podcast episode about the mysteries of the little particles. So there's a huge number of outstanding questions. And one great way to explore them is to just build a bigger collider and try to make more particles and see what the patterns are. Yeah. Well, let's get into how fast these particles are going. But first, let's take a quick break. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced... There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online, so they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash universe that's mintmobile.com slash universe cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mintmobile for details 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Okay, so Daniel, tell me, uh, so these particles are going really, really fast. So like in the Large Hadron Collider, they're already going at like 0.9999 of the speed of light, which is the maximum anything can go at, right? That's right. And that's why speed is not really the best way to think about these things, Mm. because there's a speed limit to the universe, right? The speed of light. And as you get closer and closer, it gets harder and harder to go faster. Right. But there is no limit on how much energy a particle can have. Wait, so, what? you know, at low speeds, yeah, low speeds, when you and I move around, how fast we're going and how much energy we have are very closely connected. Those of you who know some physics know it's just one half mv squared. That's your kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. But as you get going really fast, you can keep pouring energy into something, but it doesn't always make it go faster. Really? Yeah, because you asymptotically approach the speed of light, but you can keep pouring energy onto it, right? Right. And so we don't use normal units of energy when we talk about particles. We talk about electron volts. And oh. so for scale... The energy that's stored in a proton is about one giga electron volts. That's a billion electron volts. But, but is it sort of because it doesn't sound as impressive? Do you know what I mean? Like to go, uh, you're basically asking for $20 billion to go from like 0.999999 the speed of light to 0.999999 the speed of light. It's just annoying to say all those nines all the time. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> they they, no, they lose meaning the, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, impressive, but also it's not as useful, right? Mm. Let's choose units that reflect the thing we're doing. And the thing we're doing is trying to create a lot of energy in a small amount of space. So let's talk about the energy that's there. But you're right. These things are zipping along near the speed of light. And the current accelerator we have is capable of colliding particles um, with the energy of the collision is 13 tera electron volts. So that's 13,000 times the energy stored in a proton. Wow. And the new one would be capable of collisions at about 100 tera electron volts. Like so, seven you know, times more. Exactly, seven times more energy. Wow. And that's like a whole new energy range, right? Humans, up till now, have explored the energy range of up to 13 TeV. You turn mm-hmm. on that new collider, you have multiplied by seven how much energy we have explored, how much territory in particle physics we have explored. Mm-hmm. It's how like in an analogy, say you're an astronomer. 
It's like you could simultaneously land on seven new Earth-like planets all at once and like have a whole new amount of, of, of territory to explore all at once. Mm. It's an incredible opportunity. Right. Well, um, it sounds like a, a great deal for $20 billion. Um, so uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into that a little bit. So why, why build it? Why spend $20 billion on this uh, one question or one, a couple of questions about the, the universe? For me, it's about exploration. And of course, I'm biased, right? I went into this field, particle physics, because I think the questions are fascinating. You know, what is the universe made out of? How is it organized? How did it all begin? And also, I'm just curious. Like, I want to explore the universe. I want to know what's out there past our solar system. I want to know how things began. And right. so to me, the opportunity to learn the answers to these questions is tremendous. Right. Some of these questions can be answered only by big science, like telescopes and particle colliders. And we have the technology. We know how to do these things. The only thing standing between us and the answers is time and money. This right. is not like, hey, can we make a quantum computer work? Maybe, probably, but it, you know, we have a lot of big puzzles to figure out. It's like, we know how to do this. We just need to build a bigger one, and we can get answers. We can pull back the curtain on nature's mysteries. It just takes some cash. Right. Of course, we don't know if we're going to like the answers we get or if they're just going to generate more questions. Yeah, and it's not like uh, we're going to get the answer otherwise. You know, you know what I mean? Like, if we don't spend this money to build these colliders... We're just never going to know some of these qu big questions about the universe, potentially. That's true. Um, I'm sure there are folks out there in adjacent fields that work on similar stuff that might say, actually, you know, why don't you give me that $20 billion? <laughs> I'm going to um, add, really, they would be able to answer <laughs> these big questions about like a dark matter and uh, how many particles there are, you think? Well, some of the questions can only be answered in a collider. You know, like, are there new heavy particles out there? Some of these things are exclusively the province of colliders. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these questions um, could be answered in other ways. You know, new telescopes peering deep into the history of the universe or other kinds of particle experiments looking specifically for dark matter. And that's the thing. We don't know what's out there, right? We can't promise this new collider is going to discover particles X, Y, and Z because we don't know what's out there. We want to just explore. What we do know is that we know very little about the universe, right? We know mm -hmm. uh, that we can explain 5% of the matter in the universe in terms of the particles we're familiar with. And the rest is dark matter and dark energy and these great mysteries. Right. So we know that we know very little, which means it's time to explore in a sort of an open-minded way, right? We, don't, we, know that we, we know very well that we know very little, which means we should be looking in every way we can. So what I would say is, yeah, let's build the collider and let's also build those other things. Oh, you got a great idea? Here, you take 20 billion. You got a great idea? You take 20 billion. Science for you and well, science for you. Exactly. Let's have yeah. a huge science party. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, incredible to me that as humans, we could like change our relationship with the universe by no learning the answers to these questions. And we just don't because we want to build another aircraft carrier or because we want to give a tax cut to the rich or whatever. You know, um, yeah. we want to buy more plastic crap from China. I mean, the amount of funding we give to science research compared to like how much we spend on our smartphones is mm. ridiculous. Mm. Hey, how, what if we use our smartphones to do science? That sounds like a <laughs> Let's good Let's put idea. your smartphone in a particle collider and see what happens. <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> But, you know, I think it's interesting that this concept of exploration, because, you know, maybe people think exploration means going out into the stars or going somewhere and looking at different things. But here you're, it's, it's kind of, of exploring inwards or uh, exploring smaller and smaller scales and seeing what's there and what can come out of these higher energies in such small places. 
That's right. And smaller and smaller scales is a great way to think about it. Um, the more energy you put into one of these collisions, the smaller the distances that you're probing. Mm. Um, if you like to think about particles as waves, remember there's a very close connection between the energy of a particle and the wavelength of its wave function, this quantum mm. mechanical thing that controls how it moves. So the higher the energy of the particle, the shorter the wavelength. Now that's important because you can't, if you build a microscope, you can't see anything smaller than the wavelength of the light you're using. Uh-huh. Right, so if uh, if you want to see something really really small, you can't use light with a wavelength that's bigger than that object. Which is mm. why we make, for example, electron microscopes because electrons have really short wavelengths compared to photons, and so we can see even smaller. Right. So you could think about these particle colliders as like enormous microscopes that are looking <laughs> at matter at the tiniest distances. We're like down to the ten to the minus twenty meters. Wow, is the distance scale explored by the Large Hadron Collider? So you're right. It's, we're exploring like inner space instead of outer space but still it's exploration and i think some people in the community try to sell these colliders as saying we will find this new particle xyz and then it's embarrassing when you don't find it but like Mm. we don't send um you know rovers to mars and say and promise we're going to find this little green man we Mm. send rovers to mars because we hope to be surprised we hope to find something weird and crazy and that would blow our minds and that's exactly what we hope for in particle physics we want to know yeah I want to know, and I'm willing to pay more to do it. it, it is it kind of like you can't read in the dark because there's just it, it's just hard to kind of uh, there's not enough energy there to discern these small details. But if you turn on the light, then it's easier to read uh, a piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like we're sitting in a room with a piece of paper that has the answers to our deepest questions. <laughs> and all we need to do is flip that light switch. Okay, it costs twenty billion bucks, but. Yeah, you know, flip let's, it on. Yeah, <laughs> let's flip it on, man. Yeah. The other arguments in favor of it are more practical ones, you know? Yeah, every time that we make these big science projects, there's a lot of new technology that comes out of it, right? That's right. And you can go to, you can look at CERN's history, for example, and you can point to spinoffs that were created um, along the way. You know, like, for example, the guy who invented the World Wide Web, he was working at CERN and he needed a way to, like, connect computers and get people to talk to each other. Wait, 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 the the internet? Not the internet, but the World Wide Web. The the, the WWW. The WWW, yeah. Could have been something else. Could have been the the YYY. (laughs) Could have been the UUU or the (laughs) me, me, me. Um, Yeah, and, you know, that's not an argument specifically for particle colliders. That's an argument mm -hmm. for, in general, investing in big science because along the way, you stumble across cool stuff. When you set a bunch of smart people um, with enough resources to tackle something that's never been done before, they're going to learn a lot of amazing new things, right? Kind of like all the technology that came out of sending people to the moon or Mm -hmm. all this technology that came out of CERN. It's just Mm -hmm. like when you invest in new ideas and smart people, stuff is going to come out. Not just maybe what the what the mission was. Absolutely, yeah. and I'm most excited about the potential science of it. But you know, in terms of um, technological spinoffs, that always happens. You know, you can't predict, and so you shouldn't guarantee. But mm. that kind of thing always happens. And if you look long term, every dollar you spend on basic research and development comes back to your society a hundred or a thousand fold. It's incredible. Yeah, you know, like. All the the transformational inventions that have changed the way we live, you know, the transistor and plastic and all this stuff came out of basic R&D. Right. And so we need to keep funding that stuff if we want to keep transforming our society into new, crazy, amazing things, right? Yeah. It's like every company spends money on R&D, right? Like it would be dumb not to spend money on R&D. 
because then you would just be stuck in the same place you are forever. Exactly. But the corporations these days have become much more focused on short-term gains. You know, I think it's this like cycle of investment and quarterly reports and, you know, how much money you're going to make next year. So they're investing less and less in this sort of like blue sky research that could lead to the next gazillion dollar profit for them, right? Mm. And this is where government needs to step in. This is the, the role of government to build those, the Golden Gate Bridge and the projects right. that one person or one company wouldn't do. To think right? big. To invest long term in our society, yeah. To spend a billion dollars now, which is going to mean a trillion dollars in return in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Um, the thing that I don't get is that is why this isn't more of a bipartisan issue. Mm. You know, if you are interested in America's economic um, um, hegemony, well, you know, invest in basic research because that's how we got here. Yeah. If you're interested in America's military um, um, hegemony, well, where do you think that came from? Right. If you're, you know, if you are uh, America first, you should be pro-research. You should be shoveling buckets of cash to physics people because that's how we got where we are. Yeah. Um, well, let's, so yeah. if you're interested in big science, you're interested in, in um, you know, technological advantage, you're interested in military preeminence, all those things came from basic research. Yeah. Well, let's get into the economics a little bit, but uh, let's take another quick break. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
Okay, so let's take the maybe contrarian position. Uh, so mm-hmm. why, what are reasons why maybe spending $20 billion on a new collider is uh, not a good idea? Well, one strong argument is that we don't live in the fantastical environment that I described where politicians are throwing money at everybody who has a good idea for an experiment. Mm. In reality, we live in more of a zero-sum situation where if you get a billion dollars for your science, that money is probably coming away from other science. Mm. So really, it's a question of priorities. Should we spend $20 billion on this or should we build $20 billion experiments? Right. Or, you know, a hundred smaller experiments oh, or a thousand even smaller ones. 20 projects that cost $1 billion each or, you know, yeah. 20,000, 20, $1 million projects. Exactly. Because you know what? There's no shortage of awesome ideas for new science that we could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you work at a funding agency, then you're constantly being sent awesome ideas by smart people who spend a huge amount of time being clever and proposing to you something really fascinating to do to learn something interesting. Right. And you mostly have to say no. And the reason is that there just isn't enough money, right? There are limits to how much money we spend yeah. on science. In general, in society too, right? I mean, some people in the interviews brought up that maybe we should spend that money somewhere else, like education or That's right. uh, helping the homeless. Yeah, so it, just within just within science, it's it, having such a big gorilla can crowd out other projects, other valuable projects, and it can focus the whole community mm-hmm. on sort of one area when you might think it would be healthier to have a diversity, you know, instead of having yeah. putting all your eggs in one basket... Do, do a few things. But you're right. Yeah, there's a bunch all... of little monkeys as opposed to a giant gorilla. <laughs> That's right. Who would you rather fight anyway? <laughs> 20 monkeys or one gorilla? I don't know. And, a... and just give them a typewriter each and they'll eventually, <laughs> you know, you just have to wait. That's right. They'll eventually write a better script for this for this podcast than we could ever come up with. Um, but you're right. There, there are also other things we could spend this money on, right? Like the state of uh, early childhood education in this country is appalling. The, um, the yeah. social welfare um, system we have in this country Country is terribly weak. The infrastructure, right? right. It's always infrastructure weak and, um, since Donald Trump became president. The infrastructure in this country needs repair. So we could spend that money well in lots of places. Right. And it's hard to know, like, how do you compare, right? How do you compare um, yeah. infant formula to a, a potential particle collider? Right? It's, hard to, it's hard to weigh those things. Yeah. How do you prioritize or how do you put a value on science as opposed to people's immediate sort of happiness and comfort? It's impossible, right? And that's why we should try to do all of these things, right? We have to weigh mm. these things. Um, work harder. Work harder, you know. Um, not- Don't charge as much, Daniel. <laughs> Take a pay cut. Remember, the cost of the collider is mostly the tunnel, not the people. And the $20 billion is a worldwide cost, not for the U.S. or for any single country or for any taxpayer. Right. The argument I find hard is to sustain our incredible military budget um, at the expense of everything else. You know, even science aside, like I would take some of that $700 billion and put it towards education or healthcare. Yeah. You might think, like, well, things. you know, do we need 10 aircraft carriers? Couldn't we have nine? And a $20 billion particle collider. <laughs> exactly. Where, what pawn shop can you go to to trade in your aircraft carrier to get $10 billion? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Russia or maybe North Korea. Oh, yeah, probably they would be happy to buy it from us. Um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, these are political choices and everybody out there can have their own opinion about what is the yeah, best I'm way. I'm sure for- we'll hear um, 
some opinions on this episode. Yeah, exactly. And I totally respect some people think maybe it's not worth the money. I hope the people who happen to be listening to this podcast are the ones who think that science is a good way to spend our money and that you call your representatives around the world and tell them, yeah, let's build another particle collider and let's also fund a new space telescope and another you know, international space right. station and education for everybody. Because these things, if right. we spend the money now, it'll come back to us later. Yeah. And if you're a politician out there listening, just think about it. 70% of our data sample supports big science. That's right. So send us $20 billion and we'll take care of it. <laughs> we'll make a billion one dollar <laughs> podcast. <laughs> exactly. We will, we promise not to spend it on twenty billion dollars of bananas, right, Jorge? Uh, what? What? I'm not hearing your promise. I can't make any guarantees. You know, it's science. You can't make any guarantees. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, how about if we discover the the banana particle, <laughs> that thing that makes bananas so amazing? Yeah, and, and slippery and. <laughs> Uh, but but in your view, it is worth it, right? In your view, uh, you would pay anything for science, right? You think that uh, there's no higher calling, perhaps, than trying to figure out our place in the universe and how it all works. Yeah, and I think as a society, we should aim high. We should build incredible buildings and long bridges, and we should unravel the mysteries of the universe. And, you know, we can focus on our day-to-day -day chores and the things we need to survive. We also need to think about what makes us human, and that's... You know, the, right. the cultural experience that includes art, creating beauty and creating and creating knowledge. And uh, I yeah. think that's part of what makes life worth yeah. living. As a species, we can't just be looking down all the time. You sort of have to look up yeah. also out into the horizon. Exactly. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope that this inspired you a little bit to look up and think about the big questions about the universe. That's right. And hope that our society and our children and their children's children will continue to explore both outwards and inwards to unravel these questions of about the universe, these deep, deep mysteries we all want answers to. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles 
and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 